This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 685 with Farida Shaheed. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 685. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Farida Shahid is the CEO and founder of Sakuva, where she helps parents and caretakers protect their kids online. She has taught thousands of people online security and safety, has hosted Lunch and Learns, and has delivered keynotes on the subject. She is a Forbes 30 Under 30 honoree and is currently serving on the Forbes board for the Under 30 community. She was named Cybersecurity Personality of the Year 2020, and her work has been featured in Cisco, NASA, Fox 25, Fox 46, Fox Carolina, NBC Washington, The Grio, Yahoo, Afrotech, The Every Mom, Tripwire, Info Security Magazine, most recently the NASDAQ. Farida is on fire when it comes to spreading her message. So we recently connected via LinkedIn. And as I got to know more about her work and her personal story, I knew that she would be a fantastic guest. And oh my goodness, she did not disappoint. Listen in to hear Farida share her experience growing up as a third culture kid, how her identity as a black Muslim gamer raised in Saudi Arabia inspired her work in cybersecurity, how her relationship with her mom especially informed her experience around her own cybersecurity, 
the significance of her mom embracing imperfection in order to create a more safe, secure, and soulful mother-daughter relationship, what holistic safety is and why it's so much more important than blanket rules that might only serve as band-aids, the importance of connection over control and a strong parent-child bond in online safety, why she champions parental therapy and therapeutic practices in order for parents to have a connection to self as a foundation to protecting your child from the online world, and the first three steps to take towards cybersecurity for your child. Oh, this is a good episode, a magical conversation that has a lot of story around Farida's own story, but also has really, really helpful, impactful information for you when it comes to keeping your kids safe online. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Farida Shahid to the Shameless Mom Academy. Farida, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you. This is awesome. I love that we just got to have like a little mutual internet stalking love fest around (laughs) how we caught up with each other or found each other online through a combination of like Facebook, LinkedIn, mutual stalking. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. I saw a post of yours and I was like, this lady's amazing. We have to connect. <laughs> and then to your LinkedIn, I was like, no, 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 no. You're amazing. <laughs> so, so here we are. I'm here so excited to have you. And this is going to be, I know a really great conversation, but I have to say before we get started that this, first of all, I know we could have multiple conversations because when you sent over some ideas on what we could talk about, I was like, oh, I want to do like 14 episodes with you. (laughs) I also know we're going to be digging into cybersecurity and it is amazing to me how much this comes up within my parenting friends, within my community, just among the women that I spend time with within my son's school community. Like it's just everywhere. So I know we're going to have so much to cover there, but I also want to dig into just a little bit about like who you are and where you've come from. So, so much to cover. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have you start us off with the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh my gosh. I love how you said beyond your bio, because we're so used to like reading off a script of who mm-hmm. we are. So this is what I'll say. I joined the internet at 13 years old. So I have a experiences as like a, a teen on the internet. I started off gaming online, talking to a bunch of strangers, a bunch of guys, a bunch of girls and everybody else. And from there, I gained a lot of experience of how it is to grow up in the space, but what it is to game in the space, especially as a minority woman. So I happen to be a black Muslim American woman who grew up in Saudi Arabia. So I was gaming mostly in Saudi Arabia. So I had the experience of being in that place gaming. And then once I went off to college, I got a job in cybersecurity awareness and threat intelligence. So I have a background in cybersecurity. cybersecurity. And from there, I decided to start a business. And so now I call myself an award-winning Forbes 30 under 30 internet safety expert. So I go by internet safety expert, And I basically, my biggest passion, to be honest, what saved me from becoming a headline (laughs) during my activities as like a kid online is my relationship with my mother. That was like Mm -hmm. a big part of my safety online. And so when I started talking about cybersecurity, I realized that we're talking about security wrong and we have to think about the holistic view of security, like their relationship with the child themselves, the child's relationship with their own selves. Do they believe that they are enough? Do they believe that they're worthy? Do they have that connection with themselves in order to understand the confidence that they need, the reassurance that they need to stay safe online? So that is what I do beyond kind of like a little bit of my bio, but a little bit of how my bio got my bio, how I got to get to my bio. 
Oh my gosh. There's so much in there. So one of my favorite things to talk about on the show is identity. And you just listed off, <laughs> like I said, I want to do 14 episodes because we could dig into so many different pieces of your life. I want to just quickly touch on, although these are very significant and I don't want the quickness to make them seem insignificant, quickly touch on the components of identity that you just talked us through, which was black woman, Muslim woman raised in Saudi or grew up in Saudi Arabia, a gamer online at the age of 13. Now you're in the U S 30 under 30, like major media. I don't know if consultants is the right word, but like you do tons of media at a very young age as an expert, like a field expert on so many different topics related to cybersecurity. Holy cow. On top of that, you also are a third culture kid. And when you sent me some things to, as we were shaping this conversation, I was like, oh, we have to dig into that. So some of that is related to parts of yourself you've already shared, but I really want to dig into that for a moment, because I think that where you're bringing this all to your work and how you show up in the world, how you serve in the world. And also you, you already mentioned your relationship with your mom, the significance of that. So I'm really curious, what does it mean to be a third culture kid and how have those third culture experiences shaped who you are today? So a third culture kid is basically anyone who grew up in a place different than their parents. And so my parents were born and raised in the United States. And then I was born in the United States, but I was raised in Saudi Arabia because my father had a job there. And so we moved the entire family there. So this, all of my formative years were in Saudi Arabia. So that defines me a lot as a person because I had to figure out my place in the world because when I came back to the States for college, I was so used to saying I'm an American. And you can't say you're an American in America. <laughs> it does not work. So people would be like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm an American. And they just, it was like the blankest stare ever. Like, okay, girl. <laughs> but totally just like an automated response for you, right. which makes so much sense. I'm like, what do you mean? What's beyond America? And they're like, okay, but what state? And I'm like, I don't know what state. And they said, okay, mm. well, how do you not know? And I said, well, I was born in Maryland. I still happen to be in Maryland. And I said, I was born here. And then, but the, typically when people ask you where you're from, there's a conversation that comes with it. I have no conversation when it comes to Maryland because I didn't experience Maryland enough to know, oh, I like, I don't know, crab cakes or something. I don't know what a Maryland thing is. So I mean, all the Maryland people will message you and let you know. <laughs> they're like, how can you represent us like this? But, so that's like, that's been an interesting part of my identity because it actually helps a lot with safety and security awareness mm. because so many people are so stuck on one way of delivering information. But because I've had so much experience, not only speaking multiple languages, so I grew up speaking Arabic, English, and French. Now, mm. I don't remember French, okay? So no one messaged me about <laughs> that. <laughs> I'll be using Google Translate if you mess with me in French. But I still can speak Arabic. And so mm. being a part of a place that has so many different languages and cultures and understandings and backgrounds and thought processes and experiences allowed me to understand, okay, when I'm speaking to people, I need to change my language in this way. I need to relate to them in this way. I need to engage in that way. And it also allowed me to understand why different people think the way that they do and how can I connect with them regardless of if we believe the same thing or we, we live the same life. So that helped me a lot when it came to the cybersecurity side because when I went into the industry, so many people were so focused on the technical aspect or my way or the highway, or you should know this. And I'm thinking, well, why should people know that? What experience does someone need to have in order to understand that? No one is born with how to protect my kids online, how to protect my business online. No one was born this knowledge. You learned it somehow. So how right. can we make sure that they're learning it somehow in a way that's engaging them? 
So that background really helped me solidify my place in security because of that. Oh my goodness. Your answer makes so much sense. And I think it's so fascinating to see how we bring our identity into our work and how we bring our identity into the way we want to have impact in the world. And I love that the, I love that where you've come from and the different identities that you carry led you to this. And I also want to point out that I'm assuming and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming in cybersecurity, it's not typically young black Muslim women never <laughs> having these conversations. Um, and I'm so impressed and fascinated that you are in this conversation and probably among one of the younger people having the conversation and carrying a, def- a bunch of identities of, that we don't see depicted in the space very often. Can you talk a little bit about that before we really dig into cybersecurity? Oh, absolutely. I think I know, I believe I know two people that are Black Muslim women in cybersecurity, and that was only over the last two years. Wow. I believe it's two people. I, I think it's two, Max. Um, it's three absolutely maximum. And that was interesting because every time I walked into a room, I was always like different then, but I'm so used to being different then that it doesn't, I don't think, oh, I'm this short, young, black Muslim woman walking into the room with a scarf on. It doesn't, I'm just like, I'm me, I'm connecting with other people. But it has opened a lot of different doors because we get to have deeper conversations and it's not just surface level. We yeah. get to have conversations. I mean, of course we talk about representation, but like, what does that mean in like a day-to-day sense? What does that mean in terms of how do we present opportunities to other people? How do we open up doors to other people? So it's been an interesting experience. I love it. I've had more good experiences than bad, believe it or not. But I've had a couple of questionable experiences. But overall, I mean, it's been amazing. I love it. And I'm so glad that you are in this space. I think that we need voices like yours because you bring so much. You bring so much more to the table than people who are have more typical common experiences. I think that you have the opportunity to share a lot of gifts. I'm so grateful. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters 
and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Let's go ahead and talk about the work that you do in cybersecurity. So what inspired the work? You've touched on that a bit. What inspired the work that you do and how did you get here or why did you choose to focus here? And then I want you, we're going to go from there into um, holistic online safety, which I'm so excited to talk about. Oh my gosh, the inspiration. So besides going through it, uh, so I'll just start with how I came to be in this work. So when I was first starting, I was just teaching cybersecurity in general And I was teaching small business owners and parents on safety and security. And because I would just mention my background or if something would happen, I would say, you know, as a gamer or someone who's grown up gaming, I've experienced X, Y, and Z, and I understand this part of the industry. And so parents would always come up up to me afterwards and say, can you please like talk a little bit more about gaming safety? Please talk about social media safety. Like my kid is doing this, they're doing this, I need you. And and to me, I felt out of place and I love the movement of not being shameful about your experiences. I had a lot of shame at the beginning yeah. because I'm not a parent. And mm-hmm. typically when people are talking about the subject, they are parents and I'm not a parent. I was not and still am not a parent. And so I thought, who am I to be the one talking about protecting your kids online when I don't have the kid and I don't even have a degree in child development or anything of the sorts to say that I'm an expert in kids at all. <laughs> But I've got, I had so many people ask me to speak about the subject. So I did. And one of the biggest reasons why I love, love, love what I do. And oftentimes, sometimes when we're having conversations or workshops, we end up like the audience starts crying. I start crying Mm -hmm. when I'm on my VIP calls with parents. Like there's often crying, not all the time, but like we have (laughs) like a moment because I love to go a little bit deeper than just the technical aspect of it. Because while the technical portion is super, super important, we have to talk about the technical aspect because that's like literally all that we're, we're, we're doing with safety online. However, to me, the roots of it, and that's where, of course, holistic online safety comes in, is your connection with yourself and your kids. And the reason why I came to this conclusion was because the, I realized as a kid, the stuff that I was doing online was like, I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. But I was, I was a teen and I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And I realized, and I mentioned this in the beginning, that the only reason why I didn't have someone show up at my house or the only reason why I didn't go to somebody else's house house to meet them and end up being kidnapped or something happening 
was because of the strong relationship I had with my mother. But I didn't develop that relationship with her until years later, but it was the seeds were, were sowing then. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why we're able to develop a strong relationship was when she stopped trying to be perfect for me oh. and a perfect parent. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just going to pause for a minute. That is so important. And what a critical connection. Can you share more about that? Like take us into that piece, because I think that's really, really important as all and in our community, I'm constantly urging the women I work with who tend to be type a and pretty perfectionistic like myself. I'm always urging us to show up more imperfectly and just stop trying to get it all right all the time because we miss so many opportunities and we end up dropping a lot of balls um, around opportunities because we're trying to be so perfect. So go ahead and dig into what you mean by the nature of that relationship with your mom and the imperfection being so important. Oh my gosh. So she spent my entire childhood giving me, she and both her, my dad, I mean, they both did a perfect job of giving me the perfect childhood. I didn't think I had a lot of, of trauma because of that, but now I'm realizing I actually do have a lot of trauma, but it is many different reasons, not because of them. It's just because of life, yeah. but they tried everything possible to give me the perfect life, the perfect house, the perfect, this, the perfect, that. And I did have a very enjoyable childhood. However, it was when my mom got a divorce, she decided that she had to start healing. So she had a lot of like health issues. And she had to stop. She was, she was made to stop trying to make my life perfect because she couldn't do it anymore because she had to take care of herself. It was getting to the point where if she wasn't taking care of herself, that she was most likely going to, going to die, going to pass away. I don't want to get so dark like that, but that was really the reality of it. She was Mm -hmm. very, very stressed. Her body was breaking down and she was unable to show up in the way that she wanted to show up. And so she had no other choice, but to heal herself. And so she started to go on a healing journey with herself, healing her own childhood wounds, getting better at at living a healthier lifestyle, starting inside internally first. She's always been a go-getter, type A, type perfect mother. She's an international claimed author. She wrote like about 30 books by now. I mean, she's had like the vice president, like give boards for her books. And she's an absolutely amazing, amazing powerhouse businesswoman. Mm -hmm. But it was at that point where she decided, you know what? I have to heal myself. I have to heal my childhood wounds. I have to go through a healing journey. And so she stopped being perfect for me. And we started to connect as souls and individuals. Before, we're extremely connected as mother and daughter in terms of I knew she loved me. I knew she was trying to give me a great, a great life. But I wasn't able to connect with her in a soul way. I, we weren't connected as souls. We were connected as, oh, that's my mom. She loves me. That's great. But I wasn't able to talk to her and to tell her my inner, deepest, darkest thoughts and and opinions and bounce things off of her because we didn't have that relationship. And so once she started healing, it allowed me to start healing as well and then start developing a stronger relationship with her. So for me, I realized that her, her perfection really helped me in terms of having a great life and her love for me solidified my my place in terms of feeling secure in my relationship and attachment to my mom. So when I was doing crazy things online, I knew that if, if no matter what she has my back, if she's going to like, she's not going to punish me or say, oh, you're a terrible kid or you're a terrible this for doing that. But I realized that as we were, as I was growing up, that connection that we had, I was able to heal more things that I didn't understand at that moment. So let me give an example. 
I used to talk. Yes, please. I'm sure everyone's dying to know, like, what did you tell us the bad things that you did? (laughs) It wasn't like so terrible, but it was like things I shouldn't be doing. So I think these examples, no matter the scale, I think these examples are really helpful because it makes it relatable and it allows us to make, you know, to learn. Exactly. So one of the things I used to do all the time, which stressed her out, oh my gosh, was that I would be talking to like random guys any at any hour at night or whatever, and would talk about anything under the sun. And so she, her main rule for me being online was not talking to strangers. And I thought that was the dumbest rule ever as a kid. I'm like, that's so stupid, especially as a gamer. Like, how am I going to game with other people and come up with strategies if I can't talk to them? So I told her, hey, I'm going to follow your rule, which obviously I didn't, just so I can stay online. And then I hid all of my conversations and deleted Mm -hmm. conversations. And I had profiles that she didn't know about because I was like, I can do whatever I want. I'm 13 years old, whatever. (laughs) 13 and invincible. Right. 13 and invincible. I'm the best. So, and of course you lie about your age on certain profiles, just all of those, I used to do that all the time. So, so I totally get what teens are doing. And the reason why I did it, I realized actually came from childhood wounds. Mm. And another thing came from me believing that I wasn't enough and chasing attention and love where I shouldn't have been chasing attention and love. Yeah. And so through her healing her own childhood wounds and trauma and taking down that perfectionism aspect and connecting with herself first, and then all of a sudden it started to connect with me. And then as she's healing, I'm going, wait a minute. So she's reading a certain book, maybe say woman who loved too much, or it didn't start with you, or I'm enough. Those are certain books that I th- that highly recommend those type of books. There's some other ones that I can't remember right now, but she would be reading those books and then she would share it with me. And then I'd be reading the books and I would go, wait a minute. So I wasn't this rowdy teenager that was trying to do whatever she wanted. I was hurting inside. Mm-hmm. I was hurting and I was begging for the type of love and attention that I needed to give to myself. And Mm -hmm. I didn't feel enough. So I was searching for enoughness in other people. And Mm -hmm. so for me, when I look at teens who are doing whatever they're doing online, my solution isn't take away the device, even though sometimes you might have to take away the device and Mm -hmm. like delete their Instagram account, totally a thing. However, my thing is, okay, that the gaming addiction that they have, the addiction to scrolling through TikTok, they're them talking to other people, the meeting up with people that you don't know, sharing photos or sharing information about them in their lives. That's mm-hmm. a band-aid to a deeper wound. What's their deeper wound? How can we heal that deeper wound so that by that time we're building that self-worthiness, that self-love, so that their actions online are more safe and secure internally for themselves and then externally on in the world. And that's how everything began. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And so I'm imagining this is where we, this leads us naturally into holistic online safety. Cause to your point, like we're not looking at band-aids, we're really looking at roots of causes and roots of issues rather than just trying to cover something up and move on from it. Because I'm guessing if you cover an online safety issue with a band-aid, that same issue is going to show up somewhere else in a child's life. So tell us what a holistic online safety is and why it's so important. So holistic online safety is giving your kids the freedom that they want and the security that they need. And it's focusing on the big picture of security and safety. So of course, understanding internet safety, internet security, internet privacy, that's what I talk about a lot. And then I mention and give resources to things that can help children heal and parents heal because I'm not an expert in that Topic. So if someone is a counselor or a therapist, and I always say, go talk to a counselor or a therapist, 
go seek therapy with these type of things. I also mentioned that therapy is not just talk therapy. There are a plethora of different therapies. And that also helps because being a part of different worlds, I also was in Egypt for a bit and I met many different types of people. You realize that every culture has a different way of doing therapy. Even mm. as Americans, there are different routes of therapy, different ways that you can do therapy. So it's not to people when, when I talk about therapy, they think about talk therapy. So when I say therapy, I mean, whatever is therapeutic, whatever works for you. So sometimes it starts with podcasts like these. Sometimes it starts with a book. Sometimes it starts with meeting someone, following an Instagram page. So that is holistic online safety is looking at internet safety, security, and privacy, and also the therapeutic ways of how can we heal ourselves as a family and how can we build strong parent-child bonds so that mm. we're protecting kids and ourselves, honestly, in the process online and offline, but I focus mostly on the online portion, but it always will translate offline as well. I think this connection of the strong parent-child bond makes so much sense. And I think it's what we all want. And then I'm imagining you work with a lot of parents who situations get a little bit I was going to say too far gone, not too far gone, but a little bit past like where they imagined a situation could go and they don't know how to start to rein it in or how to, maybe there's this recognition of like a loss of sense of control. Like, oh shoot, I didn't recognize my kid got so deep into something or that my kid was doing so many things or things to this level. And I didn't see that coming. And now like, how do I reel that back in and, and go into a place of creating safety and security, but then also healing. Can you talk a little bit about that process for parents of recognizing like, oh shoot, I didn't know that we were here. And now how do we reverse out? I always start with the foundations. So I always say, what's your, basically what's your goal in the instance? Like what do you want to happen? What's like the end goal? And then <laughs> from there, and there's a lot of studies and if whoever's an expert in this more can understand this a little bit more is where they had kids in therapy when they're too far gone. So like say kids are acting out and they're always getting attention or they're getting in fights all the time and the parents don't know and then the school finds out and then contacts the parents and then they put the kids into therapy. And they did a study where when they put the kids into therapy, they had okay results, but it wasn't the results that they were expecting. But when they put the parents in therapy, they had drastic results on the kids' behaviors. Mm. And so, and it's not like when we think about therapy or intervention, we always think, oh, it must be a terrible household or a broken household or very traumatic and super toxic. And we think of like all these dark things, but sometimes it's something as, it's not very simple, but something as, I'm just going to say simple as the household, we're not talking about problems openly in a way mm -hmm. that, that your kids can come to you with something. So mm -hmm. there's a perfectionism aspect in the household where I can't come to my parent with this because they're going to get mad at me or mm -hmm. they're going to get disappointed in me or they're going to take away my devices. And it's not to blame the parents because they're under so much stress. Oh my God, right. I can't even imagine. But it is to think, okay, it is in my control to figure out a way for this to happen. So of course, you going to therapy is not going to solve everything, but it is a road to something. And then start having more open conversations and very, very slowly. I mean, it's not going to be easy, especially if there is a, a lot of tension in the relationship. This is when I say that getting someone who's an expert in healing those bonds, someone who's a therapist that works with parent-child relationships and can do like group therapy for the family is really helpful. Sometimes it doesn't work for some kids. And then you have to adopt the mindset of, okay, what can I control? Because I can't control them. Typically, mm -hmm. we're talking about teens at this point. I mean, maybe yeah. we're talking about younger kids, but 
when they're teens, you're moving from a managing role to a consultant role. Mm-hmm. So when you're in a consultant role, it's super difficult to manage something because there's so much, there's this tension with the managing. So that's why I always say back to like, what can you control? What can you do to make sure that you're showing yourself first the ability to heal from whatever you have going on, because that would drastically change the way that your household environment is set up. And then you can start putting in the places that you need. Of course, if we're talking about security and safety, of course, I can say, hey, here are certain apps that you can use if you're worried about their location, you're worried about who they're talking to, you can block this, you can block that. And that's also a huge conversation too, because sometimes when teens are too far gone, even if you're going to therapy, you're doing your own, it's going to take a long time before they start opening up to even say where they're going, say who they're talking to. They're not going to want you to check on things. So you might have to use technology to aid you and just give you some peace of mind about what's happening, what's going on, but also keeping that relationship open and you only can control what you can control. So I always don't like beat yourself up about things that are out of your control. What I hear you saying um, is that if you currently have a teen and you recognize like, oh shoot, we got to this place. I didn't see us getting here. I had hoped (laughs) that we wouldn't get here. And now here we are. You are saying that there are things that you can do to shift communication so that communication between the parent and child can create a sense of, uh, not a sense can create actual safety and security, but via small steps moving forward. So there might have to be some interventions in the meantime, like you're saying, the parent probably needs potentially needs some therapy around communication. The kid might as well healing some family stuff that may have happened. And again, to your point, like maybe not around like big T trauma, but maybe just like ineffective communication that maybe is just what a a parent was modeled in their childhood. And they've just unconsciously done the same thing, even with the best of intentions in parenting. But then when we look, so that's like, if we're talking about teens, but I also want to make sure that we're looking at, if we're talking about younger kids, so I have a nine and a half year old, if we're talking about younger kids, so younger than nine and a half or in this nine and a half range, preteen nine and a half to preteen range, we're looking at how are we keeping communication open now so that we are laying the groundwork for this strong parent child bond as a child has more online freedom and becomes just more exploratory on the internet, which I'm definitely seeing with my child. I'm like, Oh, things like he doesn't know that he's being exploratory, but he's just like curiosity and clicking on things. And then like, Oh, here we are. Um, and it's come up a few different times where it hasn't been like anything awful yet, but he, it's been more, it actually happened recently with news headlines where he just saw a news headline where I was like, Oh, I don't want him to be scared. And now he saw this thing. It was related to the massacre in Texas. And I was like, now he saw the thing and I don't want him to be freaked out. And yeah, like, I wish I had gotten out ahead of that. In my mind, I was like, I'm just going to not tell him that it happened, but then he saw a headline. And so there's having open communication with our younger children as we're leading into these teen years, I think can be really important as well. And I want to reiterate going back to the showing up imperfectly, how we can like, it's constant planting seeds. So whether you're looking at building that bond from an early age, or you're looking at healing or shifting the bond to a more functional, safe place, maybe because some unsafe things have happened with um, online use, Either way, it's going to be just like little seeds at a time. It's like little seeds and then patience and little seeds and then patience, which can be really hard if you're in the middle of something acute, there might need to be a more acute intervention, but that's like the long-term game. And I know for me (laughs) with my son being starting to feel like we're on the precipice of this more critical age, I want to just like 
dump all over him and be like, you can come to me with anything and ask me all the questions. Like, because all of a sudden there's urgency around it. And I'm recognizing, like, I just need to keep showing up a little bit in moments so that he's just getting this consistent, like calm messaging, not panicked messaging that he can come to me anytime with anything. I agree. I mean, you're absolutely correct in terms of those little bite-sized moments of connection. That's when, and I talk a lot about this in terms of connection over control. So while we have to use parental controls, especially when they're younger, you want to hone a foundation of connection. So one thing I keep on reiterating is what's important to them is important, period. So if Mm, they really like a game or they really like social media, they really like TikTok and they're on it and you allow them to be on it, or maybe they're younger, so they're nine, 10 or younger than that, eight years old, and they are on, say, YouTube Kids, or they're on a certain app or website that you only allow them on them there, if they ever come to you about something really excited or really sad or really frustrated, make time for them in that moment. And if you can't make time, you can say, hey, I'm in the middle of something. So give me a second. Let's talk at dinner time. I would love to hear what happened in this social media or what that person said or what post happened, whatever it is. So you're creating that connection so that when a problem happens, they know that it's me and you against the problem and not me, us against each other. Mm, so you're yeah. creating that connection piece and then remaining calm when they say something. I mean, sometimes you you might go off the rails because they said something crazy or they've done something crazy, but then always coming back and going, hey, I'm so sorry that I reacted that way. I was very scared that someone was going to come and take you and I don't want someone to take you. I don't want someone to show up at our house and do that. And so those type of activities can lead to that. And I love you so much. And I do not want that to happen, but I really appreciate you for coming to me because this allows me to feel safer with your, you being online. I really, really appreciate that. And please forgive me for yelling at you. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so that makes them go, oh, okay, well, we can actually have a talk. But if every time they come and it's a big reaction, then they're going to start hiding things from you because they don't want a big reaction or they don't want you to take away their phone which is why yeah. take away the phone is a, a great way to stop certain things when it comes to a situation where you have no other choice, but you don't want to be taking away the phone anytime something happens, like any right. tiny thing. You have right. to determine as a family, what's a tiny thing, what's a big thing, because that changes mm. for families. So maybe yeah. uh, connecting with a stranger online is a big thing for one family, they take away the device. Typically it's not, typically it's a conversation. And then if I see that again, then we're going to have to put some more controls over, especially as we get older. So those type of conversations are great. It is great to set up an environment where they're not doing the thing. They don't have the ability in your house, at least, because there's obviously to school and friends and families' houses that are fully different. But in your own house, on their own device, they don't have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. And so Mm -hmm. knowing where those controls are and how to turn it on, and then when it is, and they're going to beg you to turn it off at a certain place. (laughs) Right, right. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I have to give you a funny, first of all, I want to acknowledge the idea of connection over control because if you're a type A person, control is like all you want. You're like, I just want to control it all. It feels really good. But connection is going to serve so much longer for sure. My son, as we talk about games and what he's allowed to do and what he's allowed to play and different things, there's definitely where it's come up recently or in the last year that he has different privileges than some of his friends. And one of the specific things that has come up is Fortnite. And he's not allowed to play Fortnite. And he will tell you he's the only person in his entire grade that is not allowed to play. And it's really funny. And we, my husband did a lot of research on it because we were like, okay, maybe we're being too strict and let's look into this. And so my husband did some research on brain science and Fortnite. And I know there's a whole bunch of people whose kids are playing Fortnite and this is not judgment, but we had some really specific reasons for my son that we were like, we just don't think your brain's ready for that. And we gave him the reasons and we had this like really great connected conversation. <laughs> he keeps coming to me and he's like, mom, I'm pretty sure my brain is right. Like I, and he's played it at friends' houses here and there, which is totally fine. We're not yeah. concerned about that if it's in small doses and he'll come home, come home from friends and be like, mom, I played it. And like, my brain is we're good. That's so sweet. <laughs> like my brain didn't break. I'm not, I can still focus at school. <laughs> So it's so funny that like they do the things that they listen and internalize. If you have connected rational conversations, when you're not in heated moments, they do carry some of that forward. And it's hilarious kind of what they'll come back with, but he understands that like, we're not just like trying to be controlling and you just can't do that until you're a certain age. We've given him really specific information around like why this is important to us right now. And this is what we're doing as a family. And also we're going to like talk about it again when he turns 10, which we every day have to talk about like... (laughs) We still talk about Fortnite on the day on my tenth birthday. <laughs> so, like it's coming up, like time, that's how we're managing con- <laughs> connection over control right now. I love that because also, and I always say this to parents because when people will say, "Oh, I don't have my kids," because I talk about gaming a lot and I have obviously the background in gaming, so people typically falsely believe that I am all for ever, all kids gaming all the time and it's mm. great for them, which I do believe is great for them. However, I believe it's great when they're ready for it. Typically, it's not the best time until 13 to 16 is like the age. 16 is the age where most kids mm. are developed enough, understand enough, enough to be able to manage themselves with the proper security, safety and privacy. That's definitely a big caveat to protect themselves online and navigate it best. Some kids, they're able to do that at 13, which is why we always see the ages for these games is between 12 and 13 years old, because that's the, the age where people have reached a consistent consensus in terms of what is best. But I'm even if your child is 13 or 14, 15, if you decide Fortnite is a no, 
um, World of Warcraft is a no. Among Us, Minecraft, Roblox, whatever is a no, it's a no. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I love how you you talked about it in terms of if you end up playing it in someone else's house, you played it in someone's house. I'm not going to go over the house and barge in and pull the plug. But not in my house. We're not going to do that until you reach a certain a space in your life where I believe you can handle it. So I'm all for that. And I always talk about that is knowing your goals, your boundaries, your values as a family first. Because I can't give blanket security. I can give blanket security advice, but you have to go, okay, where does this fit into my values? And my morals and my standards and my goals and my wish and my wants and my kids' wants and wishes mm-hmm. for their lives. And then how can we make that work for our family versus yeah. telling all parents absolutely no games or absolutely all games is very nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I think that's really interesting that's come to my attention in the last year or so is how different kids navigate gaming and how different kids are able to take it or leave it or do a little bit and walk away or not do a little bit or do a little bit, not be able to walk away. And so just different. And again, you know, in this nine to 10 year old range um, is where I specifically see this. Cause that's my son and his friends, but some kids can be like, yeah, I'll play for a little bit and I'll walk away and whatever. It's fine. And others are like, if you give me that device, I will not be able to put it down. And it's, I will be completely fixated. And it's just a really different thing, a really different interactive experience in terms of how they're bodies and brains kind of invest in gaming. And that's been really interesting to see as well, where certain families are like, my kid can handle like 20 minutes a day. And then the world starts to go sideways in our household versus like my son can handle more than that. And also when I find like, it's time to put it away, he's like, okay, bye. Like not bye to me, but like he'll put it away and he's, he can move on. So it's, that piece is really interesting too. And I think that, you know, to your point around like 16 being this age where we know that like maybe brain development wise is a more ideal or safe age and other kids maybe being ready earlier than that. It's really different from one kid to the next. Oh, absolutely. It is so, so, so different, which is why for me, it is so, so important for us to have like nuanced, nuanced conversations yeah. and the examples that you gave, because otherwise parents are stuck in this guilt cycle of, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not doing this right. Or this parent said this, or this study said that. And, and there are a lot of conflicting things, even especially with screen time. That's a whole thing. Like Mm -hmm. there's not enough for people to develop something concrete, but there is enough for you to develop a plan to decide, okay, at this age, up until six years old, as as little screen time as humanly possible, and then six to twelve, we might do two to five hours. Obviously, pandemic is going to be like eight hours. I was going to say to twelve hours. Rules like starting in in March of twenty twenty were made like, no sense. <laughs> made no sense. <laughs> totally. We were like no video games until twelve, and then on you know the day after the pandemic started, we were like, well, maybe some Minecraft. <laughs> You know what? Get out of my hair for a second. I got a meeting. So like, there's a lot of things that it's nuanced and it's okay if something slips one day. If And also the goals are different. So I know kids, I know families who have kids that are professional esports players or professional gamers, and they Mm -hmm. earn a lot of money. They're paying for their college. They're paying for their stuff they want. They want to go to Disneyland. They take them and the whole family and they love it. So So their kid may be playing three to six hours of gaming a day. That's insane for a lot of families and it would be insane, but for that family, it works and they have certain safeguards around that. Yeah. What are a couple of the first steps that parents can take to embrace holistic online safety? First therapy. (laughs) So every, should every, should every parent be in therapy prior, like as part of their child's online experience? 
I in therapy some way, some which way or, or form. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, you find a therapist because it's very difficult to find a therapist, you know, like someone that's that's right for you, that's within your budget, that's within your time schedule, someone who you're aligned with because you need compatibility with your therapist. So however therapy looks like for you, it could be starting a book and then thinking about your childhood wounds or when you're having a trigger thinking, okay, let me sit through this instead of trying to distract myself. What is my body trying to tell me? And just understanding, connecting with yourself first, building your enoughness, your self-worthiness as a parent, working through yourself, your, your whatever guilt that you might have, connecting with other parents. You might not have guilt. Some parents are like, we good. I, I, I got over that a while ago. And so every, every parent is different. So I would say first with that. Number two is then you're connecting with your kids. So once you understand how to connect with yourself, to sit with yourself, to breathe through your triggers, it's easier. It's not easy. It'll never be easy. To, but to go through that with your kid as well, when they're having a trigger, when you're triggered based off their reaction, or when you're in those moments that are crucial for their development, it's easier for you to sit through that and talk through that. So that's connection with self, connection with kids, and then giving yourself grace to understand security, safety, and privacy. That's so important. There's so many parents that unknowingly are putting their kids in danger online because they don't understand the internet safety, security, and privacy. So that's super important. So connecting with people, I will shamelessly plug myself, connecting with people like myself who work in internet safety and security to understand what do I need to know about this world to protect my kids. But while I'm saying this, I really want everyone to know and understand deep, deep down that you do not have to know everything about the world, everything about tech or security or safety to protect your kids online. You are enough as a parent and you have the ability to protect your kids. All you need is a little support here and there, a little help here and there for whatever you need. Maybe you need help setting up an account or you need someone to walk you through something or you want me to talk about something. I even have um, a way where I give parents like alerts of what's happening in the security world. So you can sit back and relax and then I send you a text alert saying, hey, this happened, make sure you, you, you secure this. Or this parental control is coming out, make sure that you get that. Or make sure you, uh, th th different things that I tell parents to do so that you have support around the way. And so those are the three things, the connection with self, connection with kid, and then understanding security and safety and privacy so that you can protect yourself. I love your tips. And you so perfectly set this up because you've done a lot of media and you know exactly how I'm like, I was like, oh, she just happened to walk us right into my next question. I'm like, no, it's because she's done a ton of media and she knows how to walk us right into the next question. So well done. So you just mentioned as one of your steps, you mentioned you have your own ways of supporting people, parents through this work. So tell us, how do you support parents through this work? Where can people connect in? You have your business, you have your podcast, where can people can just continue learning from you and then also get all of your alerts? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you go to safekidsmovement.com, that is where I have a community of parents learning about security, safety, and privacy. And so I'll send out emails about what you need to be alerted for, what you need to do, steps to take. And then I have monthly calls with parents about protecting your kids online and I work through steps with them. So if they need to set up something or they need a video, I've had parents ask me for videos for their kids and I've created videos on gaming safety and social media safety, talking directly to their kids. So that's $27 a month. That's safekidsmovement.com. If you want alerts and well, that's alerts as well. But if you want in terms of every time I post something on social media or if I have a reel or a post or something to walk through safety and security, you can go to Cyber Farida. I'm Cyber Farida on all platforms. So if you like information on Facebook, I'm on Facebook. If you like Instagram, I'm on Instagram. If you like YouTube, I'm on YouTube as well. And YouTube, I do a bunch of 
five to 10, I never, I typically never go over 10 minutes on ways to protect your kids online. So my most recent video was how to support your gamer kids. I did FBI alert. So FBI just warned gamer parents about predators preying on kids on online games. I walked you through how that happens, how to protect your kids. I talk about print monitoring. So if you're inserting print monitoring in your kid's life, what do you need to know before and while you do it? Because there are a lot of security, safety, and privacy considerations when you're putting monitoring in your kid's life. So that's my YouTube channel. And again, CyberFrida or CyberFrida.com to find everything. Oh my goodness. This is so, so helpful. And you said at one point in the conversation, you were like, if you want to do this or that, there's, I can point you to apps and all these different things. And you just mentioned like a ton of different resources. And so clearly everyone needs to go follow you and they need to (laughs) go buy your product, get your, so they can get your alerts and do all the, just be connected to, um, the, the means that you have to support parents around safety, security, and privacy for their kids online. This has been so incredibly helpful. I want to ask as our final question, what way you're currently showing up shamelessly in your work and leadership? Oh my gosh. Shamelessly. I'm shamelessly showing up every single day to give tips on protecting kids online and then reaching out to organizations. It's been, I know a lot of most, most likely there are a lot of like women entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you don't feel like, oh my gosh, you're reaching out to these people. And what, what if they say no? And are they going to whatever? And you feel a lot of shame in terms of reaching out and asking for things. So it's I'm so showing it's so, so uncomfortable. Like, oh my gosh, I have to get over this. So I have, I'm every single day, I'm getting <laughs> over the shame of reaching out and asking for help or asking for other people to join me in my mission. Because my mission is to make sure that parents understand online safety and security to build strong parent-child bonds. And I want to connect with more organizations and people and communities for that. And so I have to get rid of my own shame and my own feeling of like, am I bothering people? That's a whole childhood wound. Am I bothering somebody? Mm -hmm. Am I being, am I too much at this moment? I have to get through those feelings because what I'm doing is bigger than me. It's not about me anymore. It's about a child being safe online. It's about a child having the the right and the freedom to have beautiful, joyful experiences without that being taken away by a predator or by a stranger online and by supporting parents to understand what it really means to protect their kids online without losing their minds, without being tech savvy and being strong and confident in their enoughness. So it's not about me. It's all about the people I'm working for. And so that's how every single day I'm working through my shame. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love it so much, Frida. I'm so, so grateful that we got to have this conversation. And so I'll make sure that I link up all the links that you mentioned in terms of following me on social, going through to your two different websites. So cyberfarida.com. I don't know if you spelled your name. It's F-A-R-E-E-D-A-H. And then you also have safekidsmovement.com. We'll link everything up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Farida Shahid. We'll make sure that everything's linked up right there for people to just click on through. Thank you for being here. Thank you for this incredible work. I'm so, so honored to have you here. And whenever you have like another thing to launch, share, promote, you have to come back. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you, Sarah. You're, you're absolutely the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued 
over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.